Hebrews chapter 1. I want to read verses 1 through to 3 again. God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time passed on to the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he have appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand, of the majesty on high. Whenever I read this book of the Hebrews, I look upon it as an early Christian homily, a kind of a sermon, a sermon that is typical of the preaching of the early church. That's how I look upon it. If we take it as that, A typical sermon. Because it is different from an epistle. It doesn't have the characteristics of the epistles of Paul in other regards. It's very different. And if we think about it as Christian preaching, the thing that strikes us about it is that it's biblical Christian preaching. That is, it's always based on the text of the Word of God. It's always bringing in Scripture. It's full of the Bible. It's full of the Old Testament. That's the thing that stands out about it. And Christian sermons in the Christian church from ancient times have always been based on the text of Scripture. It's always been preaching from the Word of God, built on the text, illustrated by the text of Scripture, even the applications and the proofs and other things to help the sermon They're all drawn with a full and free use of the Bible. Preachers are always quoting scripture in their sermons. And they start their sermon always based upon a text of the word of God. You remember Philip, whenever he came upon the Ethiopian, he had his text already opened up before him in Isaiah 53. And what does the Bible say? He began at the same scripture. He had a text and he preached unto him Jesus. And you remember how Apollos and Paul and others, how did they work? They mightily convinced the people publicly, showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. And that's what this epistle is. The apostle is showing by the scriptures who Jesus is and what he has done and how we are saved through him alone. So this book is like that. It's full of the Old Testament. But there is one text that stands out. It seems to be the text that he has opened before him. He seems to have a psalm before him as he proclaims this word and preaches this sermon. And that psalm is Psalm 110. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand 
until I make all thine enemies thy footstool. Thou art a priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek. And this epistle to the Hebrews is very largely an exposition of that psalm. Where Christ is seen to be in this place of exaltation. And there a priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek. And in this wonderful opening to this magnificent book. We have a very long sentence. The sentence actually runs for the first four verses. You'll see there's not a full stop until the end of verse 4. Now we can't examine all of that long sentence tonight. But I do want to underline in it three things for the purpose of this message. The first two things are two, the two most important words in the sentence. I want you to underline them first of all. They only occur once in the sentence, but they are the most important words, the key words, the most wonderful words that you shall ever hear in the Bible. And the first word is describing the first person, God. That's where it begins, God. You can underline that. And then the second word found in verse 2 is his son. The second person, God and his son. And then the third thing that I would want you to underline is their place. These two persons have come together And where are they now? We read there at the end of verse 3. That the Son sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. God, his Son, and that Son sitting down at the right hand of that God. The first person, the second person, and the place. Where these two persons meet for our salvation. That's what I want to draw your attention to tonight. The first word is God. Now this epistle of Paul to the Hebrews. As I have already said. Is very different from all his other epistles. He does not commence this like a letter. Because it's not a letter in the ordinary sense of the word. When he writes his epistles, he commences with Paul. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But he doesn't commence this that way because it's not the ordinary epistle. It's a sermon. It's a homily. He's preaching as if he is from a Christian pulpit. And he doesn't commence with his own name. Whenever Paul preached, he didn't commence with his own name. Preachers, when they preach, they don't commence with their own name. They don't say at the start of their sermon, Paul. Or they don't say at the start of their sermon, James or John. The preacher will never bring his name into the sermon at all. He won't even mention his name. And you can search this book from the beginning to the end... And the preacher never mentions his name. 
But he starts where all good preachers should start. With God. With the majesty on high. The apostle begins with the most important word in the Bible. And the Bible is about God. And the Bible is from God. And there's no more important word in the whole world than the word God. Our creator. The originator of all things. If there was only one word in the universe, that word would have to be the name of our creator. Now we're glad there are many words in the universe. And we're glad that we are communicating creatures. And God is a communicating God. God speaks to us as the verse tells us. But it all begins with him. God. The most important one in the cosmos. That's where we always begin in sermons, isn't it? At least that's where it should be. Starting with God. Every sermon commences with the holy name. We begin with God. It's all about God, our worship, and God's house, and the Bible, and not our name. We start with God in this house. And we start with God in prayer. And we start with God in the sermon. And you should start your day with God. And you should commence anything with God. And you should, when you come to sit down in his house, you begin with God. So that stands out. That has to be noted. And as I say, that's how sermons ought to be. There's no self-description here. He just delivers his message. And as I said, I think this is a typical ancient church exposition and that's what the preaching is like it's always filled with the knowledge of God preaching is about God preaching is God centered preaching is telling people what God has promised them what God expects from them what God's duty is for them and what God's grace has accomplished for them it's all about God That's what these pilgrims need who are going to hear this word. They need to hear about God. It's a cruel world. It's a difficult life being a Christian. And they need to hear about God. That great and glorious name. And this God, as it says here, he's a speaking God. He reveals himself. But he especially reveals himself in his Son. And that's the second thing that I would want you to note. His son. The sermon doesn't just begin with God. But it also quickly comes to God's son. God and his son. The most important thing of all about God that you can know. He is a father. He is God and father. Because he has a son. You see, this is preaching in a Christian synagogue. This is not preaching in a Jewish synagogue. In a Jewish synagogue, you just hear about God. You'll just hear about the majesty on high. But you'll never hear that he is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You will never hear that he has an only begotten Son. 
You don't hear that in Jewish preaching in many respects as far as morality and righteousness is concerned. If that's all you're going to hear in a Christian church, it'll be no different from a Jewish synagogue. But the thing that makes it different is the gospel. The thing that makes it different is the reality that God is God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is a sermon to the Christian community. And the Christian community do not only hear about God, but they also hear about God's Son. His Son. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. You always hear about the Son. And whenever Paul writes and uses the word God, he usually refers to the Father when he thus does. And he thinks of the Son as the second person in the Godhead, usually giving him the name Son, our Lord, so that the distinguishing of persons may be discerned in the Scriptures. And it's very important to distinguish the persons, God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, his Son, and the Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son. So he preaches about the Father and the Son, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Christian worship and the Christian community, their fellowship is with the true and living God. And that is a fellowship with the Father and with his Son. There's no fellowship with God apart from that way, apart from that understanding, apart from that faith, Jews do not have fellowship with God. Jews do not know God because they do not come to fellowship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. But this is a Christian church and they're having fellowship with the Father and with the Son. And this typical Christian congregation, whatever their background, wherever they are found, and we don't know anything about those details, but what comes to us is that they're pilgrims, that they're sojourners, that they're like the fathers of old. They have here no abiding place. They're looking for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God, they're in the wilderness, as the book of the Revelation tells us. They're in the wilderness. They're outside the camp. They're outside the city of the world. They're outside Babylon. They've gone outside the city onto Jesus. And they're bearing his reproach. And they're following him through the wilderness to glory. And that's a description of all Christians. And this is a sermon to pilgrims. To Christians who are like that following the Lord in the wilderness of this world. And those pilgrims have to hear about the Father and about the Son. And it is especially Christ-centered preaching that they have to hear. And that's the main part of this book. It's Christ-centered. Now, the apostle is preaching the Father and talking about the Father often, 
But the preeminence is given to Christ. The preeminence is given to the Son of God. This is a book Christ-centered. It is Christ-centered preaching. It's a Christ-centered sermon. He begins with God. He quickly gets on to the Son in verse 2. And ever thereafter, the emphasis is on the Son. His supremacy, his preeminence in all things. This great superior, superior over Moses, superior over the angels, superior over Aaron, the high priest, Jesus Christ, God's Son, preaching his person, preaching his work, the prophet and apostle of our profession, the author and the finisher of our faith, the priest of God forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's a typical New Testament sermon. Exalting Christ. Giving Christ the preeminence and the glory. Christ-centered preaching. And I say to you that's typical of the early New Testament church. That's what happened. Out of the scriptures from the Old Testament. And you know something? That makes it totally different from the Jewish synagogue. Because the church is always getting to Christ, the Son of God. And it's the kind of preaching that the Christian church has to get back to. Not emphasizing morality and duty, as it were, and concentrating on that all the time, as if we're just Jews living upright lives. No, we have to get back to Christ-centered preaching so we have the power and the motive for holiness and godliness in our Savior, in our living head. So the church must never depart from preaching Christ and Christ alone. And all the exhortation and all the application in sermons should be in relation to God and his Son. And through Christ crucified, the emphasis is upon him and his work. Now Paul is the greatest preacher of all time in the Christian church. And what did he say about the kind of preaching that he carried out? The kind of preaching that he liked to hear himself the kind of preaching that he would encourage all the preachers of God to be involved in. What did Paul himself say? He says, I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. We preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, that is true. Unto the Greeks it is utter foolishness, that is true. But unto the body of Christ, to them who are the called, whether out of a Jewish background or a Gentile background, he is the power of God unto salvation. The blessed Son of God, we preach him. And we're determined not to preach anything else. Remember how he said to the Galatians, 
those congregations in that area that he was involved with. He said to them, and every heard that there was some departure among them, back to the law again for salvation and righteousness. He says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you? He's saying, I preached him. I declared him unto you. I preached Calvary and the cross and Calvary love. I set him before you. That's why you come to salvation. That's why you come to faith. And now you're way off. Back to legalism and back to the law. Oh, foolish Galatians. God forbid, he says later on to them, that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's always preaching Christ. He has this determination to be Christ-centered. And this epistle, if we call it an epistle, manifests that determination in every chapter, in every verse, throughout the length and breadth of it. That Christ-centered mindset that this preacher has. And every Christian preacher has to have the same mindset. And may the Holy Spirit grant it unto all them that he has called to preach his word. You know, Spurgeon, he tells the story in one of his sermons of a young preacher who preached. And whenever he preached, there, there was present in the church an old preacher of God's word, an old stalwart, a faithful retired man of God in the congregation. And the, the preacher, the young fellow preached his heart out while the man there was sitting listening. And after the sermon, he went to the old minister and he said, what do you think of my sermon? A very poor sermon indeed, he said. A poor sermon, the young man said. It took me a long time to study it. I spent hours in the study working on it. Do you not think my explanation was a good explanation of the text? Oh yes, the old preacher said. Very good indeed. Well then, why did you call it a poor sermon. Didn't you think the metaphors were appropriate? Did you not think there were sufficient and appropriate illustrations throughout it? And that the arguments, did you not find them conclusive, proving the text? Yes, they were all very good, the preacher says, as far as that goes. But still, it was a very poor sermon. And then at last the young man asked, well, why? Tell me why you think it was a poor sermon. And he got the answer because there was no Christ in it. No Son of God in it. And the young man said, well, Christ wasn't in the text. And we're not to be preaching Christ always. Especially if he's not in the text. We have to preach what's in the text. And we have to deliver what's in the text. And sometimes Christ might be in the text. And the old man said, don't you know, young man, that from every town and every village and every little hamlet in England, wherever it may be, there's always a road to London. And the young man said, yes. And then the old divine said, so from every text in Scripture, there is a road to the great metropolis of the Scriptures. And that's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Every text leads to the city. Every tax leads to the center. Every tax leads to Jesus Christ and him 
crucified. And he said, I have never yet found a text that had not got a road to Christ in it. And if ever I do find one that has not a road to Christ in it, I will make one. I will go over the hedge and ditch, but I would get at my master. For the sermon cannot do any good unless there is a savour of Christ in it. And that's what this book is like. It doesn't take the apostle long to get onto the road to the Son of God. Verse 2. At verse 2, he's right onto that road, his son. And you know, ever afterwards, he never leaves the road. In fact, he takes us right into the city. He takes us right into the metropolis. And all his preaching is filled with the fullness of Jesus Christ. This epistle is full of the savour of Christ-centered preaching. And that's what the Christian pulpit needs, I can assure you. And there'll never be a revival. And there'll never be an awakening. And there'll never be a stirring among God's people without Christ-centered proclamation of divine truth. So Paul gets us right into the city to be taken up with the Son of God. And he never leaves that Son until he finishes his sermon. Now why does Paul do this? Why give a whole sermon to Christ? Why give a whole book to the Son of God? Why the emphasis on this prophet and not on Moses? Why the emphasis on this priest and not on Aaron? Why an emphasis on this king and not on David? Why an emphasis on this son and not on angels? And the answer is, Because we are the church. And what is the church? The church is the body of Christ. And we cannot exist without our head. And our head is the Son of the Father. In the plan of Almighty God. And that's why the church is always hearing about their head. They can't be without the head. We're joined to Christ. And we always have to hear about him. And this preacher knows that saints need Jesus. And that they have to follow the Savior. And they have to commune with Christ. And they have to find their all in him. Christ is all and in all to the Christian community. And they have to always be hearing about him. You see, they're going to be suffering saints. As you read this, you'll see that they're suffering saints, they're battling saints, they're struggling saints, they're battling their flesh, they're battling the opposition of the world, they're struggling against backsliding and the temptations to apostatize, and they need to keep looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. That's what Christians need. That's what Christian congregations need. That's what the Christian community needs. To keep hearing about their Savior. To keep hearing about the Lord Jesus. And so this church does not need a digest of political things. It doesn't need a plateful of worldly affairs. It doesn't need a running commentary 
of week by week by what, what is going on in Babylon, the city of the world. That's not our sphere. That's not our interest. We're in the wilderness. We're the people of God. And we don't want a running commentary on what's going on in Babylon week by week. We don't want to be taken up with the affairs of the world mainly. We need to be taken up with our head. We need to be taken up with Christ. And every week we come here, we need a plate full of Jesus Christ to feed on and to digest. Feed on me. Abide in me, he says. And so we have to be Christ-centered. We have to always be preaching Christ unto you. So don't weary of it. Don't be saying ever, oh, the preacher's preaching about Jesus today again. Is he not going to deal with all these other issues? Is he not going to give us something political? Is he not going to give us something that the world is interested in? You need Christ. You need the Son of God. And our time here is very short in God's house. And when you have one Sabbath a week, and I am determined to give you Christ and him crucified, that you may grow in grace and in the knowledge of him. So we're in the wilderness and we just need our Savior. We only want to see Jesus. We only want to keep looking on to him. We only want to get safely to heaven through him. And so we want to live not just comfortably and peaceably, accepted by the world here below and getting on in the world. Christ is our city. Christ is our home. Christ is our world. He is in all and all to us. And we only want a feast of him. So I ask you tonight, what kind of a Christian are you? And where are you in the Christian life? Wherever you are in the Christian life, I can tell you all you need is the Son of God. Are you a suffering Christian? Then you need to consider him who himself hath suffered, being tempted. And he is able to succor you because he hath suffered, being tempted. And if you're a suffering Christian, all you need to hear about is your head who suffered also and who knows how to provide to you by his Spirit, through his word, that succor wherewith he was comforted in the days of his flesh. So if you're that kind of a Christian, I still have to preach Christ to you, the succorer. Are you a Christian who has sinned? A Christian who has fallen by the way? A Christian who has got away from the Lord. Then again you have to hear about the Son of God. Wherefore in all things it behoved him to be made like unto his brethren. That he might be a merciful high priest. A merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God. To make reconciliation. For the sins of the people. Sometimes the people of God fall into sin. What do we need to hear? We need to hear about our great high priest. Who is merciful. And who reconciles us to God. And who deals with our sins. That's what you need to hear about. If you're a Christian who sinned. Got away from God. It's Christ. Christ centered preaching. That gets you back into the way again. 
Are you a Christian who's tempted to let go of the Lord and to go away back? Seeing then, the apostle goes on to say in his sermon, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens. He's always concentrating on this, where he is now. He's passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. So if you're thinking of slipping, you're thinking of going back, you're thinking of leaving the church, you're thinking of leaving the Christian profession, oh, you have to hear about Christ, where he is, what he's doing there at the right hand of God, and Hold fast your profession. Maybe you're a weary Christian. Maybe you're fainting. What have you to do? Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And here we have it again. And is set down at the right hand of God. Psalm 110 again. He sat down at the right hand of God, at the throne of God. Consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. And so if you're a weary Christian, a fainting Christian, what's the remedy? Me coming in here, telling you about the politics, telling you what politicians should be doing, is that what I, my business is here to tell you about all of that? Is that going to help you in your weariness? I don't think so. I would make you more weary. You'd be more discouraged. I'm here to tell you about Christ. If you're weary, Christian, if you're weary of the politics, and we all weary of the politics, but if you're weary and fainting, we need to consider him. We need to hear about the Son of God who was always suffering this contradiction of sinners himself. And how he did it for us. And how we are to follow him. And he'll give us the same grace that he had. Whenever he endured unto the end. So it's always Christ. You need. So you see why he's a Christ centered preacher? You see why he's always preaching the son of God? Are you tempted? Are you tried? Do you just need help? Where do we point you to for help? We have not an high priest. Which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. That right hand. Where the apostle is always pointing us. He's gone up there. He's gone in there. Let us therefore come boldly unto that place. That we may obtain help and grace in time of need. So if we need help. We need strength. In our time of trial and temptation. It's always the same pointing us to the Son of God at the right hand of the Father, looking on to Jesus. It's a great sermon, this. It's a wonderful book, this. Always pointing us to Christ, the incarnate one. So that's what the Christian church needs. And the Christian preacher will always be pointing you to God's Son. And you have to keep looking to him, child of God. Looking on to Jesus. And you have to keep praying for your preacher. That he'll always be a Christ-centered preacher. And every day say to your Lord, Lord help that poor preacher. That we may see Jesus. That we may be helped to look on to Christ. May this pulpit be guarded and kept. And endued and empowered by God.
so that it's a Christ-exalting pulpit. And if you're not converted, and you're not a Christian tonight, and you've come into the church to hear, we tell the sinners the very same thing. You want to know God? You want to come to God? You can only do it through his Son. Through Jesus Christ. And you have to come to the Son. To the Saviour. To the Son of God. And in him you know the Father. And so our communion is with the Father. And with his Son, Jesus Christ. I now go on to the third point. The place. I just leave it there for tonight. The two persons. The Father and the Son. And to them be all glory, now and always. Amen.